Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. In a year where the Western Conference is more wide open than over, ever. In a year where the NBA is more wide open than ever. One of its biggest stars is getting ready to return to the court. And the question is, what's it going to mean? No, we're not talking about LeBron. No, we're not talking about the Lakers. And this year, this is all about John Morant, who came back to practice yesterday and spoke for the first time. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Harry, all eyes were going to be on John Morant yesterday, stepping to the podium, participating in his first practice following an eight-game suspension for conduct detrimental to the NBA. Remember uh, that he was uh, he spent 11 days in a Florida counseling facility after the video of him brandishing a handgun during an early morning Instagram live video stream from a Denver area strip club uh, that was out there on March 4th. So uh, it is at this point anticipated he is soon to make his return to the roster, but he was going to make his return to the podium first and foremost. And in that process, he had to tell everybody a little bit of what he's going through, Harry. This is part of what he said about his process and what he's learning. Ongoing process, continued process for me, obviously. You know, I've been there, uh, you know, for two weeks, but, you know, that doesn't mean, you know, I'm completely better. So, um, you know, that's an ongoing process for me that you know, I've still been continuing, you know, since I've been out. A powerful and honest answer, right? Yep, 100%. And uh, I thought he showed a level of maturity right there within his answer. Uh, sometimes, you know, mistakenly guys may, you know, go to – you know, rehab or get help, whatever the case may be, for a period of time, right? One week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, and they think, you know what, I'm 100% well now. I'm 100%, you know, I can move on. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Well, Ja understands in his two weeks of being there, there may have been some conversations that allowed him to understand and see things from a bigger uh, picture for, uh, in a broader spectrum that, hey, you know what? This is going to be an ongoing, ongoing process for me. This is going to be a process in which I have to take seriously. And I'm glad that he was able to express that to the media and express that to everyone listening so they could understand that. Because the last thing he wanted to do was come in and say, you know what? I was there two weeks and I'm good to go now. I'm 100 uh, percent uh, me and I'm and I'm ready to thrive. Doesn't work like that. The fact that he acknowledged that it's going to be an ongoing process lets me know that, you know, John, John Moran is in the right state of mind. Also, he is still open to, you know, getting the help that he may need and bettering himself as a human being. So I, I like what I heard yesterday from John Moran. Look, you and I have both been pretty loud and open and honest about how important therapy can be for people, right? And obviously, yep. Ja at this point is going through a lot and is acting some kind of way that everybody felt like he needed to go to a facility to help him. But what you said there is so important when you talk about the journey in this process, right? If you're Ja, yes, you you went to a facility that presumably over the course of 11 days, he said two weeks, uh, helps you figure out better ways to cope with stress and deal with life and all of these different things. But that's a very small amount of time. Uh, we, we've joked often on this show that, you know, my, my body's a shrine now. I, I work out, right? Uh, but as you have smartly pointed out, whatever I did to my body to get to the point that I needed this, I didn't do in two months, right? Like you spend right. years uh, sort of going through what you're going through. It, you don't fix it in days. And that's just part of this process for Josh. So I'm with you. I was really 
uh, impressed with his answer, but also I think it's an important bit of context because what John needs to know right now is that not only is he going to be under the microscope in ways that he never imagined, he's going to have to use these new tools and tricks that he's been taught to help with stress while everybody's waiting for him to make a mistake because that's just the world we live in. Like Everywhere he goes, phones were already out, but that's magnified times 100 when you know it's somebody that's just coming out of a, a, tr- a counseling facility and all of a sudden people are going to want to catch him messing up. That's where we live in. They don't want to catch you doing great. People want to catch you doing things that you should shouldn't be doing. So he's going to be under more pressure, under more of a magnifying glass, under more of people overanalyzing everything he does while he's also got to deal with that stress. I think this is an important reminder to Ja that off the court, when you're talking about just life, it's not about to get easier. It's going to get harder because he's going to see more pitfalls than ever. Yeah, and you've already seen it recently, right? After the game, and one of his teammates was doing an interview. You know, they recited an NBA young uh, NBA young uh, boy song, and you had people criticizing him about a, a, a lyrics in the song. Now, if we get to the point of where a human being can't rap lyrics in a song or sing a song, then we, I think we're really starting to overanalyze a lot of things now. You know, but that that's what's going to come with the territory. Jaws in this space now, but. You know, I have faith in the treatment that he did get and also the steps that he's going to take moving forward to not let things like that bother him. Because, you know, a lot of people are going to say things uh, outside of your, your team about what you should do, about what you can't do or whatnot. But as long as you understand what you need to do to be a better you, but also be a better you for your teammates, your family and moving forward within your career, that's all that matters to me. Well, and he talked to not only about uh, the ongoing process, he also talked about considering therapy when he was at his press conference. Check out what he said. You know, I felt like my stress level been, has become a problem. You know, I considered it, but, you know, I was, you know, back and forth. Uh, pretty much, you know, kind of afraid to, you know, leave the team. But, you know, I felt that it was needed and it, it definitely helped me out a lot. You're speaking pretty bluntly again there about the fact that this is something he's been aware of and aware that, you know, he needs some help in just didn't want to leave his team and didn't know how to ask for that. We see this all the time. And part of what I think is kind of wild to me, Harry, is the number of times that you'll see us as a society react to an athlete post-career come out and say, man, I need help and I really stress with the mental part of it. And we say, oh, I love that. I love the mentals getting more focused. But then when an athlete in the middle of it is talking about dealing with it, people roll their eyes. Like I feel like this is an important part of the process of learning how to deal with life when you are in your early 20s and you're worth $230 million and uh, an entire organization is leaning on you. And not everybody's programmed to know how to handle that. Everybody thinks they are. But fame and fortune is not something that most people are wired to be able to just automatically walk in and be like, I got it. I know what to do with it. So I think it's pretty honest from him. And I'm under the microscope that, you know, a lot of people may have, you know, their opinions on on what Josh should do. But first and foremost, a lot of people don't even understand what it's like to be in a situation. And they probably never will. So uh, unless it's people who's been in that situation, a lot of those people can help guide you and tell you different things. But also him taking the onus on himself to realize that, you know what, I may need a little help. Right. And we're living in a time now, though, Fitz, where it's okay. Back when we were coming up, it wasn't okay. People picked at you for going to therapy or whatnot. But I'm just glad that our world is in a space, though, that now, you know, when a when a professional athlete or anybody needs help, they want to go to therapy and they they identified that it's not looked down upon. It's actually praise. Right. And and people get that help and seek that help. And then the people around them understand that, you know what, maybe we need to do some things differently to help this human being be a better version of himself as well. I always think back to, I went to high school with one of the guys in NSYNC and 
Uh, we were in Nashville uh, went right before they'd blown up. We, we were in Nashville, and we went to a little hole in the wall, and we got, we got drinks. And it was like nobody knew who he was. It was no big deal. Uh, I mean, it was maybe a year and a half later. They were back, and they were playing Nissan Stadium. They were playing the huge stadium where the Titans play. And it was funny because at that point, they had to bring security to an undisclosed location to take us so that we could get in there because people couldn't get to them anymore. And you just looked at that life and you thought, man, no matter what you dream of when it comes to being famous, sometimes you get into that moment and you just look around and you're like, how the hell am I supposed to handle that? I, <laughs> yes. I, I keep looking at John Mur- like I can't imagine what it's like to look at your bank account one day and realize that now everybody's relying on you. You got that money in the bank. There's this level of expectation and you've got to go do your thing. I know people roll their eyes because everybody has stress, but that doesn't mean that Josh's stress isn't real too. So I think it's important that he came out, he acknowledged it, he talked about letting the organization down, but he also talked openly about this process because this is something that now, not just for the next three months, but for the next several years, people are going to be watching Ja differently to say, okay, how are you handling this stress? And that in and of itself creates more stress. Like it's a never ending cycle. Yeah, you talk about NSYNC, right? And the people who doesn't understand John ja Morant, you know, he's going to basically tell them, bye, 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 bye. <laughs> <laughs> I've been oh, holding man. on to that one as that. soon as you said NSYNC. But no, no but you, you brought up a good point, though, Fitz, because a lot of people don't know what it's like to have the world on your shoulders, but also be the one that everyone is counting on, whether it's family, friends, teammates, organization. A lot of people don't have an idea what that's like. So they're quick to point the fingers, quick to judge, not having an understanding that this is still a young man. It's not even 25 yet. Still a young man who is finding his way. But now he's identified. Right. And this, this is what I love about life. Sometimes we have to go through things to become a better version of ourselves. Right. He has identified these things and now he can move forward with his life. Well, the team's going to try to move forward starting tonight. The question is, what does all this mean for the Grizzlies on the court, because there's one expert who thinks this could be a great thing for their title chances. You'll hear it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Ongoing process. I've been there, you know, for two weeks, but that doesn't mean I'm completely better. It should be somebody around him just letting him know that you made a big mistake and this is not small. Now it's the easy part. It's getting back to playing basketball. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. somebody around him kicking his ass right now just letting him know that you made a big mistake and this is not small and you have to make up for it he understands the gravity of this situation and so rightfully so he is uncomfortable because this is a position he probably never hoped to be in he got the hard part out of the way now it's the easy part it's getting back to playing basketball yesterday John Morant returned to practice with the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, as the team prepares for his return on the court during games, could this absence actually be the thing that helps catapult them 
towards a long playoff run. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel. Lady Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz were presented by Progressive Insurance. And obviously, I want to stress this loudly. Nothing is more important as we just spent the beginning of the show. If you're just tuning in, we just spent the beginning of the show talking about the mental health of John Morant and the process he's going through, uh, spending 11 days in a facility to help figure out how to better deal with stress. There is nothing more important than John Morant getting a handle on that. For the human being, for the basketball player, for the team, that is the most important thing. Having said that, there are conversations about what this absence could mean for the Grizzlies. Fitz and Harry brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Realistically, Harry, the Grizzlies have made a really nice uh, moment out of even job being gone. Six and three during his absence, right? Like this is a team that's played better than most of us expected. They actually made up ground in the playoff standings without John Morant. And now they get job back. And there's this moment in my mind of clarity. I keep thinking about for you as a player. And when you think about all the outside noise we were just talking about, that outside noise gets quieter, right? When you actually just get to get back on the field or the court and do what you do. Yeah, you get to get back and lace your shoes up, bounce that basketball, put the ball in the basket, something you've been doing since you were a kid. Uh, a place that's your comfort zone, a place that you can get away from a lot of the outside noise and a lot of things that, that might be bothering you. Even though, you know, there's a lot of stress that might come from the situation, it, it also is a safe haven as well. And for Ja, what I want him to do is still continue to be himself, right? Don't, you know, try to push the brakes, keep your foot on the gas pedal because the way you play the game is the way we love it so much. People that are fans, people that aren't, that aren't fans. There are people that who might not like Ja, but he plays the game of basketball at a very high level and, and it's electrifying to the point to where you're watching and you're like, wow. You're saying wow and you're mesmerized uh, because of it. Now here's the thing. In the last seven games, this team is 6-1. and one. And I'm going to date it back a year, a year, a year past. This team was phenomenal when John Moran didn't play. Tyus Jones really stepped up tremendously for this basketball team a year ago. He's done that in the absence of John Morant this year as well. Also, also Jared Jackson Jr. has been phenomenal for this basketball team, especially, you know, staying on the court, not fouling out, getting in foul trouble night in and night out. Desmond Bain has really stepped up. And also Dylan Brooks. So more of the story, his teammates has, has, has had his back. Right. And they understand what Ja's going through. And the last thing they want to do is go out there and wet the bed uh, when, when their star player is out, when their franchise player isn't out there on the, on the floor. When he's out, they want to hold, hold the fort together. So when he comes back, things can be righteous. What's favorable for him right now when John Morant comes back? I'll say the next four games that they have, they got Houston twice. They have Atlanta. They have Orlando. They have the Clippers twice. And we all know the Clippers just lost Paul George with a knee injury. And then after the two games against the Clippers, you had the Chicago Bulls. So a very favorable schedule for the Memphis Grizzlies for John Morant to get his get himself back to playing basketball at a very high level in which he was before he went out. And I think there's an element of comfort and release that comes from being on the court for a lot of people. This isn't true for necessarily everybody, but certainly some of the guys that I know around ESPN that I've gotten to know working here that were NFL athletes like you. There are some guys that still love going to the gym all the time. And when I ask them why, why are you working out like that? Well, it's just been part of my life and it's how I get my emotional release, right? Like there, there's, I've always said when people ask me if I miss the music business, I'm like, look, nobody's going to stop me from sitting at a piano and playing a song that I feel like playing or picking up a violin for an emotional release, right? Like for Ja, his emotional release for much of his life has been at least in part on the court. Now, as he figures out how to better handle his emotions off the court, I have to wonder how much 
coach that will channel even more passion to what he's doing when he's on the floor with his teammates because uh, it feels like if you come out and you're better focused uh, in life uh, off the court, you're going to have more bottled up energy to give on it, right? So it just, there, there feels like there's this ancillary, even if it's unintentional, there's a benefit that can come from all of this in the way Ja will approach the game while he's there simply because he's got his life off the court better on track. Well, you talk about appreciation, right? And, you know, all of us at some point who played a professional sport, we spent time away from it. For me, it was when I tore my ACL. But my level of appreciation for the game went up that much more. Hell, I just wanted to smell the dog on grass. And I know Ja, when he was away from the team, his appreciation for the game went up that much more. Not that he didn't have the appreciation beforehand, but it just goes to another level. When you're away from it and you're not able to play the game that you love, that you've been playing since you was a child. And I don't, I don't want him to hold anything back. I want him to go out there and be himself because you don't want to compromise your play because your demeanor has to be altered because you're worried about what people are going to think. No, play your game, go out there, ball out, play with the chippiness. Also, play with that smile and have fun with your teammates that, that we're so accustomed to, to, to seeing Jai in, uh, that state of mind. So don't compromise anything because of what other people are going to think. Go out there and be John Morant. Uh, speaking of going out there and being John Morant, Tim Legler, ESPN NBA and analyst on this just in said this about Ja and what he could look like when he comes back. One thing that's going to be interesting, and this happened with, with Steph Curry a year ago, you know, a guard late in the year, I know he brought a lot of this, this negative attention to himself he's, and he's you know been suspended, he's been away from the team, but you know what else he's not doing? He's not putting any wear and tear on his legs at this time of the year. When you come back after layoff this late in the season, you are revitalized uh. from an energy standpoint. Ja, I think, is going to be the best version we've seen Ja be all year because I don't think this, this is going to actually distract him. I don't think it's going to bother him. I think it's going to make him more focused and fresh when you've got a fresh set of wheels as a basketball player, particularly a point guard, and you come back this late in the year, that could bode well for them. And particularly an explosive point guard. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. You think about his first step, and you think about what it means to get a couple of weeks off. Like He's going to come back juiced. i got to ask you, though, Harry, you said you, you missed the smell of the grass. Yeah. Does field turf smell like grass? Like, is it like, you know, oh, you, my down, goodness. down there in Mercedes Benz Stadium? Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. See, it was the grass from the practice fields. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. See, the practice fields, man. And when I was walking out there after I had tore my ACL and I was recovering, I was like, man, I didn't take the game for granted, but I damn sure made sure I wasn't going to take it for granted. Or I even had that, you know, that doubt creeping in because once it's taken away from you and you get to look at things from the outside in versus the inside out, it's a different level of appreciation. I promise you. Uh, well, and and look, I, I say, you know, all kidding aside, I don't think I'll ever forget the first time we were walking the, the field at Mercedes-Benz. And it's amazing. It was amazing just seeing your face light up as you're walking on that grass because you have so many memories, so much association with it because it meant so much to you. And you're a thousand percent right. Like when when that opportunity, even just for a couple of weeks, is taken away from you because of your actions there has to be some level of, of different appreciation when you come back. And I think it's also important to note, going all the way back to where we started this whole conversation, every quote that you read from Ja yesterday, every moment of his press conference, he owned what he did. He owned the consequence of it. He owned his portion of it. He owned his stress in it. He owned what it caused for his teammates. I don't know what else anybody could want from him other than now just to have him walk out on the court and be himself. That's going to be the key. Is that walking out and being who he is. And we don't know yet if he's going to be playing tonight, if he's going to be playing the rest of the week. But 
I can't wait to see how his performance is going to be when he step, steps back on the basketball court. I know his teammates are going to be excited. They're going to be happy because they love and cherish him, and they know that he brings his team to another level. So, John Morant, you got a fan in me, and I'm rooting for you, my brother. Yeah, John's going to come out. I think the Grizzlies are going to come out with the fire of the gods in their belly when they uh, hit the court with him. All right, we'll keep breaking down everything from John's standpoint, but – even though we work for Disney, I'm not sure Disney could write a better script than what we saw last night. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You got Major League Baseball's in me. opening day. That one back there on its way. Oh, this game is over. How's that to start the season? The countdown has begun. Thursday, March 30th on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on your smart speaker. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Otani set. Trout ready. The 3-2 pitch. Trout swings and misses. And Japan wins the 2023 WBC. Otani fires his helmet towards the dugout. He's mobbed on the mound by his teammates. And Japan goes undefeated in winning the championship tonight. 3-2. MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM on the call. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. The ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. And look, I'm excited to talk to our next guest because not only is he a buddy, not only is he brilliant, he will give proper context. And Harry, we need that right now because we just heard and everybody's been talking about uh, the World Baseball Classic and the ending of Otani striking out Trout. What does it mean? Where does it fall in the world of all of this? So we need proper reaction. The Wolfback Crows by one. Jeff Passan, ESPN Senior Major League Baseball Insider, joining us. Jeff, as always, I appreciate your time. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm driving around. I'm listening to Sports Talk Radio yesterday. Mad Dog was yelling about how the WBC is all useless and none of it matters. And I got baseball fanatics on one side telling me it's all useless and on the other side telling me it's great for the game. I need proper insight on what we saw last night. How does it sort of fit in the lexicon for baseball and how important was it? Yeah, with all due respect to Chris, he's wrong. Um, and I'm not going to sit here... Jason, and suggest that the World Baseball Classic is the World Cup, that it's the Olympics, that it's one of these tried-and-true international competitions that brings out the absolute best in the athletes that we love. Um, But I will say this. This is my 20th year covering baseball, and there is not a – I fully admit I may be prisoner of the momenting right now. Um, there is not a single at bat that I can remember being so excited for. And maybe it's because it's something that I, I know I'm never going to see during the regular season, at least in less than until Shohei Otani like goes up I five and is a Dodger next year. But, um, the, the idea that these two guys, these, these close friends, uh, ended up in this situation, a one run game with two outs in the ninth inning. And and that 
we could have had, you know, a, a ground ball to shortstop on the first swing or uh, a pop-up or a single. Now the count goes full. And Mike Trout, who never swings and misses on three strikes, it's happened on less than half of a percent of the 6,000-plus plate appearances he's had in his career. The fact that it ends up with that and with a swing and miss championship clinching strikeout, uh, it was incredible. And it's the sort of at-bat that I will never forget, and I forget so much, like <laughs> middle age is terrible. So the, the idea that it ended up there, I think, was the, the perfect culmination for this tournament that uh, if you are saying that this doesn't matter, uh, you don't care what the people involved think. You don't care what anybody outside the United States thinks. Uh, you don't care about 10 and 20 years down the road when the players involved in it are going to look back at this moment in the same way Muneka Murakami did, saying, when I saw the 2009 WBC, I wanted to play in that. Um, those people 10 and 20 years down the road, I think, are going to see this one at bat and say, that is what made me fall in love with baseball. And anything that can make a person fall in love with the sport, I'm here for it. Jeff, I got to ask you, I, w- I want you to paint the picture for our listeners who aren't huge baseball fans on what Otani means to Major League Baseball and baseball around the world. You talk about a guy who came in and never been in that situation in his life, right? Where you're coming, you're, you're asked to close, you're going against Mookie Betts, you're going against Mike Trout, you get it to a full <laughs> count. I thought the ball was going right down the middle of the plate, and I said to myself, oh no, he's giving Mike Trout this pitch, and then that thing slid to the left, Jeff. And he struck him out. What does Sho- Shohei Otani mean to baseball? It's a really good question because I, I think there are any number of directions in which you can go with it. Um, direction number one, Shohei Otani is doing something that nobody has ever done before. We point to Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth was never a full-time hitter and a full-time pitcher in the same season. So, Shohei Otani isn't Babe Ruth. He's better than Babe Ruth. Um, He's not going to have the same career as Babe Ruth. He's not going to put up the same numbers as Babe Ruth. He's not going to have the the resonance culturally of Babe Ruth. But in terms of just as a player, uh, I think he has proven that baseball players are capable of doing this amazing thing of hitting and pitching at the same time. It's that I mean, let's put it this way. Um, before I continue on, I'll ask you a question. Could you imagine being a wide out in a corner at the same time? Like you are on the field running routes and, uh, you guys score a touchdown and immediately you go back out there and you try and cover the guys, uh, who you're trying to be like on the field. Like, is, is that seemingly impossible to you? Jeff, I need my Gatorade. I need my rest. <laughs> So it's no way in hell I'm going over there to guard somebody. I thought I just finished running millions of miles to go up a score on someone. So, nope, not doing it. Yeah, yeah of course not. And and that's the that's the equivalent. You know, I've I, I've almost said it's like, um, you know, he's he's the quarterback when he's pitching, and it's not quite like a middle linebacker um, because DH it's not as taxing, but you still have to do all the preparation 
that hitter typically does. He is he is two and one. Um, I, I think another reason Otani is important is because of the international element. You know, we're we're very myopic as Americans, and uh, we believe, especially in sports, that the way we have things and and what we produce as a society is the best of the best. Um, and it turns out that a guy halfway across the world uh, who grew up in you know, I, I want to say Iwate Prefecture, where he grew up and where Roki Sasaki uh, grew up as well. It's like Montana. It's like the second biggest state in Japan in terms of area and like the 32nd best, uh, 32nd biggest in terms of population. Um, so this kid who grew up in a rural area having dreams of, of being a great baseball player one day wound up being the best uh in, in a country halfway across the world. And, and that's the sort of dream that I think anybody, not just any athlete, anybody can relate to uh, going to a place that may be unfamiliar, but where you can try to be your best. And, and when you talk about what the World Baseball Classic's goals are, yeah, I mean, I think a big goal is to have a tournament like it did this year that happened to have a ton of really intriguing, good baseball games, high-level baseball in March, playoff-caliber baseball in March. But beyond that, I, I think it's more about spreading the gospel of the sport and telling people around the world, and not just in Japan and the Dominican Republic and Venezuela and Puerto Rico and, and Cuba and other Latin American countries, but in England and in uh, the Czech Republic and in Australia, that this game is, is not purely an American game, not just limited to American players, but uh, you can be on the biggest of stages uh, and you don't have to be from the United States. So, uh, I, and, and I think the third point with Otani, it, it's just what can athletes do how high can their peak be what you know what can they become what can this sport be um Shohei Otani to me provides the answer to that question and the answer whether he's pitching or hitting is something absolutely incredible the one thing I know, Jeff, is you'll always be our show. Hey, and we appreciate your insight. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you'll do it throughout the season because, you know, I always need your help. So uh, thanks for giving us the brilliance. Boys, looking forward to it. This is a great Jeff Passon hanging out with us. All right. Is there a dream matchup you want to see? Uh, you'd pay money to see, like, oh, honey, uh, Otani versus Trout. Give us any sort of, like, dream matchup between two phenomenal athletes. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. That's how you guys can get in on the fun. Plus, there is only one take on the World Baseball Classic. It is the correct take. It is my take. And it's more important than guys like Mad Dog. I'll tell you why next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Find the top products and quantities you need when you need them. Lowe's Nose Pros. Vince and Harry, the podcast.
Jason Fitz and Harry Douglas are Fitz and Harry. Man, they, they ticked you off, huh? I mean, they ticked you off, my man. I, that, that, I'm just saying, like, let, we make these things so complicated. Like, uh, but I, I love the fact you said it with your chest, too. Like, you, you said it with your chest. You know what? I'm out here. I'm just out. I'm, <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I'm out in these streets now. That's what's happening. I'm out, these, say I'm out here. He said, I'm out here. Oh, I'm, my God. I'm I out in these Fitz. streets. Please I clip that off. Evan and Devin, please clip that off. Please. A cold beer on a Friday night. Oh, I'm about to say it with my chest. Just right. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. We have a, we're going to call it a Sheftorst missile. That's what we're going with. Because it's Uh-oh. half Shefty, half Brian Windhorse. All right, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Our team has doubted whether or not I can read this. So I'm going to get through this, and I'm going to show America just how professional I am. God, I'm cocky right now. Now I'm starting to get nervous. <laughs> this is the tweet. Canadian billionaire Steve Apostolopoulos has become the newest potential bidder to tour the Washington Commander Stadium and training facility as he seeks to buy the franchise. League sources told Windhorse and me. Bam! How's that for getting that last name right? Woo! Apostolopoulos? Apostolopoulos. 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 Yeah, it's like Snuffleupagus, but more fun. Oh, okay, yeah. Apostolopoulos. Yeah. It feels also like maybe a dish you'd get at the Olive Garden, like when they're doing like an all-you-can-eat <laughs> something. That it's Apostolopoulos! Like, Not Apostle Paul, Apostolopoulos. <laughs> it's almost Easter, right? Like, so we can do both. I, you know what? The, the sad thing here is my own team behind the scenes looks so disappointed right now that I've actually read this the correct way. They were hope, They were rooting for my failure. My own producers were rooting well, for I my failure. Well, I think it's failures. only right to put them on camera. Yeah, show yeah. face. Yeah, Evan, we have to Evan, show face. What, Evan, you in there screaming something like like Devin, somebody all, throw me under the bus? No you. surprise. I, I was all I was in favor of you getting that right because I want to. I want you to have credibility. Devin, on the other hand, he was rooting against you. Devin was staring at me. You've also never read anything more carefully in your life. Steve Apostolopoulos. <laughs> I am. I'm getting all like what. I did it right there. I know. I just wanted to hit the Oh, my God. You know what? Uh, While I'm on a roll, uh, real quick, and we'll get to your calls in a second, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. What's the dream matchup you would pay money to see? What's your uh, Shohei versus Trout matchup that you would lay your cash out to see? One-on-one, what do you want to see? We'll get your calls in a second. But I know mine. uh, Before we do that, though, I got to quickly go off on a second on on a legend. And you and I both have a ton of respect for Mad Dog Chris Russo, right? Uh, He does great work. You see him on first take yelling at uh, Stephen A. all the time. It's great uh, entertainment. I listen to Mad Dog. I love what he does. We're all big fans. He could not be more wrong about the World Baseball Classic as he continues to tell the world that it is essentially irrelevant. That's not the case. It's hugely relevant. And when players come out and say it means more than a World Series game, that makes sense to me, Harry, because realistically, when you start thinking about where these players are from, they may not have grown up a Mets fan or a Braves fan or a Padres fan, but they certainly grew up a baseball fan in the country that they came from. Now they have the opportunity to go back to their home, to play for the people that helped them get to where they wanted to be. And in the process, they put on a show that attracts people like me, people that aren't necessarily huge baseball fans. Baseball, to continue to thrive, doesn't need more mad dogs. It needs more me. It needs more people that are on the sidelines saying, I don't know, am I really going to be into it? And things like the 
the World Baseball Classic make me a bigger fan. I am more important to the future of baseball than somebody that's been watching it forever because as the sport grows, they have to find ways to bring in casual fans. I think the World Baseball Classic was a smash. It was huge. I love the passion from the players. I love the passion from the audience. I love the passion from everybody involved. I want more of that. Even if it means that I got to pay less attention to the beginning of the season that doesn't matter in Major League Baseball, what we saw right now in the WBC did matter. And that matters to me moving forward. Well, it allowed a lot of people who didn't watch baseball or who may not like baseball to actually tune in and give it a second thought. So a lot of people, I was scrolling on Twitter and Instagram, and a lot of people were talking about the game and saying how, hey, I don't like watching baseball. I don't like this or that, but I'm tuned into this game. Right. And that's what it does uh, for people who aren't the average fans. It allows them to become that what you just mentioned fits a fan because you was in tune. And look at all the media outlets today. We're talking about what the World Baseball Classic. And I can't help but think about what Mike, Mike Trout said yesterday, the, what, what the World Baseball Classic did for him. It allowed him to have a lot more fun. It took him back to his travel ball days. Things that you do when you're in high school and middle school with a lot of guys, you travel, you travel the country and you play baseball all over the place. He said the World Baseball Classic reminded him of that. So if these players are coming out and saying they enjoy the World Baseball Classic that much, just imagine what the fan feels. Or the person that isn't the average fan that has now become a fan because of the World Baseball Classic. It will take the entire season to give us the passion we saw at the end of that game last night, and I will take that all day, every day. Let's take Andre in Texas. The dream matchup you wish you could get. Andre, what do you got? Next call on the show. Hey, man, thank you for taking my call. So I am a big, big basketball fan. I'm a Jordan guy. So I would love to see one of those 90s, 1992 or so um, NBA All-Star teams against one of the, you know, 2015 and watch them destroy that 2015, 2017 um, NBA All-Star team. I I like that call. It feels very video game-like. Harry, I don't know. Like, destroys a tough word for me, though. I mean, uh, the game's Uh-oh. changed a lot. The game's changed. I know it has. I got, I have one question: Who gonna guard Michael Jordan? I mean, who gonna huh? guard? Who's gonna guard LeBron on the other side? Who's gonna guard my, Scottie Pippen? Scottie Pippen. I put Scottie on him. Scottie Pippen. Like I Scottie put Scottie on him. Don't you dare disrespect no Scottie no, Pippen. No, you can Don't put you Scottie Pippen on him, and when no LeBron Scottie goes Pippen. for forty, you're gonna be like, "What happened?" Well, we put Scottie Pippen on LeBron. I put like, Scottie. On I mean, you're right. I, I'm not sure. There's a lot of people that will want to take on Jordan, but my God, who's gonna cover any of these Curry guys? I, I'm, I'm not. Who's gonna cover Giannis? My God, you're putting Pippen on on LeBron. Who's covering Giannis? And scene. I'm telling you. Um, Clyde Drexler. Oh, my God. He going to oh try. He oh, going to try. He going to try. That's like He'll saying, try. I'm going to try and keep you from getting 10, uh, 10 catches <laughs> if we're playing any sort of flag football. Speaking of NBA All-Stars, one All-Star is underrated, undervalued, and now he feels underappreciated. You'll hear it next. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 